Welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. And today I have a special guest in my own revolutionary girl. Tell me about your special guest, Alice. Um, you just heard her. That would be Cassie, my beloved intended. Say hello. Hello. Yeah, we're having we're having Cass on to talk about Sarah Zanmai today. Yeah, instead of uh, Utena, we are talking about Sarah Zanmai today. Sorry, I know this isn't technically Kappa connection, but that's how it had to be today, folks. I'm not gonna... I, we tried to record this earlier, and I was an idiot and messed things up. So we had to start over, and we're just gonna get back into this Sarah Zanmai talk. I'm not gonna go through the long opening explanation again. Spoilers for episodes one and two of Sarah's Amite. Yeah, if you haven't watched episodes one and two of Sarah's Amite, don't listen to this because that's just, that's all we're going to talk about. I've seen episode three, but I'm going to try not to reference it in any way. Potential spoilers for episode three if we screw up and we decide we don't want to edit it out. (laughs) So, okay, so the things we've established are A, we all like it, and Cass actually thinks that it might end up being her favorite Ikuhara anime. We're not sure about that yet. Yeah, so, um, tell us why. Alright, so, we talked about this before the, uh, we had to restart, and I'm gonna try and hit all the details that we talked about as quickly as I can, but- so hey, you don't knows. have to, to speed through it, like- This is a speed run. We don't- I'm using We don't have to speed strat. run the podcast, this guys. We were strat. only ten minutes in, I wanna it's get fine. the leaderboard, Panda. I wanna get the leaderboard. Okay, in all seriousness, thing number one, this has probably the queerest stakes- setup and plot structure of any Ikuhara show with the exception of maybe Penguin Drum, which none of us have seen. Uh, we all kind of talked about how very quickly the uh, the storyline, what the characters want, what they have to do to get it, and what the, um, the obstacles are. You know, they've all been established by the end of episode two, which I don't think was true even of Utena, depending on how you look at that show. No, I wouldn't say so either. And I think that probably has to do with Sarah Zanmai only being in 11 episodes series he's done shorter series before but i think maybe this time he's actually getting the hang of writing a shorter series that might be yurikuma has um it takes a while in yurikuma to kind of like get come to grips with the plot though to be fair that's also definitely actually on purpose because that show is built on a lot of twist reveals and then the repeat viewings are kind of like going back and watching it with the context of the the episodes you know are coming in fact actually like that seems to be have have been in the past kind of a thing for him where like ikuhara has really really leaned into the there being this really like the plot itself being just a mystery wrapped in wrapped in an enigma and we have a little bit of that there of here like there's potential for mystery and, and intrigue but the bare bones of the plot are given to you with absolute fullness midway through episode two kind of makes me wonder given ikuhara's uh penchant for burying the lead it kind of makes me wonder where this is gonna go in the larger scope of things because it feels like we kind of know where things are going i don't know it's not like it's very obvious where everything's gonna go but like it's like you guys said everything's pretty clearly set up at this point and we're only in episode two is what we're speaking of yeah one of the other details that we talked about right before we had to cut was um i mentioned 
that I used to be a huge kind of Sentai Kamen Rider fan, the whole uh, Tokusatsu Hero thing. I actually adore... We talked a little bit about how this show is structured basically like a magical girl show starring three boys. Um, what I don't think we talked about was the Sentai Hero trappings um, that he kind of gives the main characters Kappa designs and some of the things that they do kind of directly play with those tropes as well. He's directly kind of drawing... Uh, parallels to um, little kids, um, little kid shows for for whatever reason. Even though this Probably is very clearly not, not intended for children. for children. Although we say that, but Japan tends to have a lot of different contexts surrounding what's appropriate imagery for children. The Shirikodama jokes actually. Um... Okay, have you ever like seen? You guys have seen Naruto, right? Yeah. Um, Naruto, I believe, is referred to... Okay, weeb. I've seen, like, maybe <laughs> a collective three episodes of Naruto, and I was also on LSD at the time, so I cannot really... That's fair. Put That's a, fair. Okay, first off, put a pin in that. We're going to circle How around How have you not heard that story? Day. I tell it all the time. I have not heard that story. You will tell me it in full. Okay, sure. <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> anyway, fuck around, get hot and watch Naruto. No, I mean really hot. Gonna watch me some Naruto. <laughs> but um. Anyway, the uh, so there's a running gag in Naruto where um his teacher literally like does a punishment technique that involves thrusting his fingers towards someone's asshole and launching them into the air. Oh, I remember that. That's because in Japan, that's considered kind of a childish prank thing. Yeah, actually, now that you mention that, I think that I have heard this before. Like, yeah, it's a it's a relatively capacity. common childish prank. Yeah, and as a result, kind of like Japan's imagery and social taboos surrounding like butt imagery is a lot less strict than you would probably imagine. So this is actually probably Ikuhara's most family-friendly show, if you consider well, it was the until audience the it was designed for. Yeah. It was until the weed. And also the See, water okay. boarding. Let's talk you, about the yeah. weed and the water you, Look, you say that. I, I Excuse me, excuse me, ma'am. That was not weed. That was clearly catnip. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. I really hope that the weed comes back. I really want them all to get high on accident at some point. Uh, 100%. That's probably going to happen knowing the themes of this Chekhov's show. Chekhov's weed. Chekhov's <laughs> Chekhov's dick. Chekhov's dime bag. Chekhov's dub. If the, if a baggie of weed appears in the first act, you must blaze by the fourth. Are we going to talk about the fact that Toei is basically Hamura? Interesting. Um, counterpoint, Toei has a actually has a lot more like actual, seems to have more ethical backbone than Hamura. Not entirely incorrect but i mean like the whole like meet you in a dream before and then like showing up as the transfer student and uh, it's it's all very and he's also like he's so edgy and like maybe he'll get like an actual payoff for why he's edgy like hamura does or maybe he's just a shitty teenager which is also fine 
I mean, I think he's already gotten some of that. Yeah, like, that's true. It seems to me that a lot of his a lot of his edge comes from the fact that like he looks up to his brother. My brother's a gangster, and he won't let me join the gang. He's like a hundred percent a yakuza and trying to get money. And I think where they're going with this is that he wants to either a be a successful yakuza like his brother, or b like he feels like if maybe if they just had a bunch of money, then his brother would not have to go off and be a yakuza anymore he could just like they could just like live there are theories on the internet that perhaps toei's brother is like in deep with something that like is putting his life in jeopardy and perhaps toei is trying to like the reason he wants the dish of hope is to like get him out of that and i mean like i don't know there's there, there's evidence so. to support that but like we'll have to just sort of see how future episodes go i i with just the episodes we've seen i would actually call doubt on that mm-hmm. oh um have um, you, you guys have did you guys watch the after credits sequences we're we gonna did. talk about okay this. i we look are. i just we're, wanted we're to make sure that, that you watched them we can talk about them oh, yes. we absolutely we can put a pin that. in that i just wanted to make sure that you watched them because that was it, it was going to be very hard to talk about this without that yeah um we we watched that um so there's something specific that i actually wanted to bring up that the two of us literally had to rewind the opening and watch it twice to to make sure we were seeing mm-hmm. So you notice there's like a little bit in the opening animation, the opening credit sequence, where uh, there's like a flash by of a bunch of characters doing the uh, the Sarazanmai pose mm-hmm. with someone's face superimposed in the background. I knew you guys were going to bring this up. Okay, keep going. Yep. <laughs> yeah, every single person who poses that way has the person they most want to connect with or form a connection with mm-hmm. in the background behind them. Mm-hmm. It sure does. And based on that, I actually don't think that the answer is going to be, you know, I want to get my older brother out of debt. I think the idea behind everyone kind of pushing for a dish of hope mm-hmm. is that they're mm-hmm. trying to win someone's approval or affection. Mm-hmm. That can be familial, or it can be in, um... Is it is Enta his name? Enta is his yeah, name. Is uh, Enta is the one with, like, the, the longer hair, but not the emo one. Yeah, I was about to say, so Enta... I was about to say... In Enta the has of, the lighter brown hair. Thank you, the the glasses kid. I'm trying glasses to Glasses boy, why did I not think of the glasses? I was about to say, thank you, his one defining trait... That I will all, the uh, that's all he is to me. <laughs> you can't read until you're nothing. Um, Don't talk a... about my son that way. I have fe- <laughs> no, I, I have feelings about Inta. I have you're feelings not like and that. emotions and you guys, we can't even talk about half of this because you haven't seen episode three, but we will keep on trucking. As of episode two, I, I'm about, I know exactly what your take is. I, I, we haven't even talked about it and I can sense your take with my girlfriend powers. I'm not sure. Okay, let move move on to Inta because we we should probably talk about the 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 credit scene. Yeah, we should. I'm not sure I like him. That's fair. I have two reasons. One, before the credit scene, um, the fact that Inta basically has no secrets to leak makes me think that this kid is this like that's like the, in, I feel like in Sarah's on my world that's like what happens if you only eat the bottom of the muffin okay wait, wait, ex- um, excuse me ma'am what 
Is it like analogy? Like what, I feel, no, stop. I you, feel, you can't even do this right now. I, all I, I muffin parts are beautiful, Alice. A analogy. Okay. No, Justin, not starting there. But like, <laughs> I just don't trust that. Okay, listen. I'm not going to spoil episode three, but I am going to tell you that episode three is entirely into focused. And okay, the reason that we haven't gotten a secret from Inta yet is because they were saving it for a later episode. My second thing that I'm not sure about Inta is, okay, let's just say it. Inta kisses protagonist Chan while he's asleep. Yeah, and listen, not great. Of not course. a fan. It's it wouldn't be creepy. an Ikuhara show without some non-consensual kissing, so... Uh, that's that's a terrible sentence. It's true. I mean, it's, it's true. Absolutely it's true. Maybe yeah, he should it. make better cartoons. Okay, I, I'm gonna give you both this, Pichuan. <laughs> First of all, Ikuhara makes nothing but perfect cartoons, and second of all, <laughs> he always... The, the, the difference with uh, Ikuhara is that whenever someone does that, it's usually not a good thing. Yes. That's fair. That That's it the is... big the big running thing with him, is he actually does explicitly make it subte- subtext or just, like, regular text that, you know, creeping on a dude is wrong. But I, I think the real thing with, um, with Enta that I kind of dislike as a character trait is it's kind of obvious what his connection thing here is. I he mean, wants it, to it's be in closer. the opening credits. He wants to be closer to his crush, and he's a weird teenager. And, like, from that perspective, he's not really a bad person so much as he is just a weird teenager who doesn't understand boundaries like most teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to hold judgment because he might end up being okay. But Listen, I have a lot of feelings about episode three, and they're all into feelings. Okay, maybe we should, And like, he's maybe... not, like, it's... I'm. I mean, obviously, not going to defend the uh, the non consensual kiss, and I was. Uh, there are I had worse a lot things of feelings about that. When what's that up with his older sister, and what's up with his resentment of her? Oh wait, wait, wait! Hold on, hold on. We do need to tell you something, Panda. It's not. Yes. It's it's not technically a spoiler. Okay. His older sister looks like a grown up version of one. Oh, of I know. I got you the figure. I got you the the figure of her. I know, and I really hope that that was the intent because it real like the first time I watched it, I literally had like deja vu so strong I had to check the date. Yeah, um, I actually it didn't really since I haven't watched Yuri Kuma and I don't like I I recognize the characters but I don't look at imagery of it that often. Um. I didn't really notice how much she looked like the character from Yurikuma, but like, yeah, they're they're basically the same character. Also, it's interesting that you bring that up because Gio and Yasha have pointed out that uh, Kazuki and uh, Toei both look a lot like the two brothers from, from Penguin from Drum. Penguin Drum, yeah. Huh. I yeah. did catch that about their design. The Ikuni multiverse is real. Seriously, can we can we talk for a minute about how Enta is the only major character who directly resents his uh, his immediate sibling? Hmm. 
Because that's actually an interesting thing that I just noticed between the three. Um, explicitly, the person who Kazuki and uh, Toei most want to connect with is their brothers. They want to get closer to their sibling in some way. And for Enta, not only is the person he wants to connect with most not his sister, but he seems to have some level of antipathy toward her and toward specifically when he gets really mad about not getting a text from Kazuki um he kind of takes it out by going like ugh why are you sending me a photo of your date sis also the date's face is obscured that's it that's gotta be intentional um I think it's a little weird that his sister is sending him a selfie of her on a date like I don't know I do think there's some degree of the sort of the theme of a disconnect between siblings there because they all have some level of disconnect between them and I I, I think it's kind of intentional like I, I'm curious where if that goes anywhere hmm. it's all about connection did you think that Kazu's uh, little brother was his little sister from episode one a lot of people did mistake Kazuki's little sibling whose name is Haruka. Um, A lot of people did think that Haruka might be a girl because he wears his hair in a little ponytail and it's kind of cute. Wait, isn't Haruka the name of one of the characters from Harukana Received? Haruka is a pretty popular name. It's uh, completely gender neutral, which was almost certainly on purpose, I think, because they intentionally gave Haruka, like... It's Sailor Uranus's name. Yeah, well, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, just contributing to the gender neutralness of it. But there's, it goes beyond that in the sense of like, think about like the voice they specifically pick for Haruka. They cast his voice actor as being, the voice actor who they cast is doing the performance with a really high kind of like tenor voice that you kind of, it wouldn't feel out of place if that character's was voice was being used for like an aspiring idol or something. That's yeah. Just, an aspiring that, idol like Sarah? Very probably. And Thank there's a very... There's there's a lot of like little choices like that. Some of the way that they're animated, the colors that they wear. Haruka is intentionally drawn in such a way to convey the ambiguity of kind of like, you know, little kid gender. And they didn't have to do it that way. Like, if you watch other productions that have to cast like little younger brother characters... That's not the kind of performance they usually go with for that character's voice. They usually have them add some level of rasp or something to convey boyishness. Yeah, there is a a distinct, like, boyish brattiness to a lot of uh, younger, like, male characters in anime. So, I have a hot take for you. Lay it on me. This is multi-step. First, Sarah, the idol, is a kappa. Okay, um, hold on, pause. Do you guys know anything about the manga? No. Did you know that there was a manga? Yes. Okay, just making sure. I didn't know where we were starting from. Okay, so I haven't read the manga either. But um, supposedly there's some weird, like, magical shenanigans with Sarah because, like, the manga has to do with- I I really should read this at some point. Same. Like, apparently, like, the manga's about Mabu and Rayo, who, by the way, we need to get to those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Are are those the pair of dirty cops? Those are the cops. Uh, We'll get there. Believe me, we'll get there. Um, The boys with the best musical number in history. 
they uh they raise they find sarah as a baby and then they raise her but she like apparently this is only hearsay i have no idea how correct this is she like kind of magic grows up quickly or something and then Mm. like i don't know how it ends but what i do know is that in the series which appears to take place after this has occurred because sarah is like a i mean i don't want to say like fully grown but you guys know what i mean little idol girl she's apparently whatever she is have a job as the neighborhood idol i guess so (laughs) your friendly neighborhood idol that's Um, actually a thing so, but Rayo and Mapu do not react to her when she's on TV, which is not how I expect gay dads to react to their idol daughter. So we have hypothesized perhaps that because there's been memory wiping established already in the series, they have perhaps had their memories wiped also as part of whatever it is that they're doing with that otter drum machine. Okay, we need to actually ask a question here. Yes. What on earth is with the weasel slash otter imagery? It is specifically otter. I when I was watching episode three, I don't know. I don't. I haven't rewatched episode two since I did the podcast about it. I mean, is, but, is it just um, a joke about how they're twins? I have no idea. I I mean, I like to think it is, but I literally I have no idea. But I do know that it is a hundred percent otters because they say otters in uh, the mm-hmm. song. At least in episode three. I don't know if they did an episode A tab, all twinks are bastards. <laughs> oh my god. I actually, literally in the first episode, because there's a wind machine with them on them, I thought that was like gonna be like some kind of weird Kamataishi reference at some point. I thought it was a weasel. Yeah, I mean, they, like, it's sort of an ambiguous little cartoon animal, but Otter also everyone sense, in the though. Japanese fandom keeps saying otter, and I, I trust them. I, I really wish I knew whether otters have any specific folklore associations, but, I mean, they are river-dwelling like Kappa, so still a running through line there. Otter v. Kappa, 1v1. Final destination, no items. <laughs> um, Otters win. Otters always win. Otters are cuter than Kappas. It's true. No, I don't. I don't. I I'm I'm on Team Kappa. All otters are bastards. I want to hug an otter. All otters are bastards. Otters are adorable bustards, and I want to have one as my best friend, and I want to walk it, and I want to cuddle it. Oh my god. Otters are so cute. That seems like that would not work out that way. (laughs) I mean, we domesticated the ferret. We can do it to otters. I believe in you. I believe in me. I believe in the power (laughs) of humanity to be friends with otters someday. You can't crush my dreams. <laughs> we do have to, I do kind of want to like, wonder if any of us have any insight in, as far as, we know that the, we know that the Otter Cops and their, whatever, their, They're whoever the they were. police. We know that they are somehow creating the Kappa Zombies. Yes. By shooting people. But why? With a drum. Um... Are they doing I it to get rid of them? But that would require info from episode three. We do, can okay, I, get, like, I can I can actually make a guess based on episode two. Okay. Um, because they actually say it in their song and in dialogue a few times. They specifically argue that what they're doing is getting rid of people who can't connect, quote unquote. They're trying to get people to express their desire, 
kind of that's what they seem to be implying in the song because they're talking about like let your freak flag fly or whatever it is the fuck those lyrics say they're literally turning people into a being that is basically 100 percent made up of their repressed desires yes so that's that's something but i kind of assumed they're cops they're literally like executing these people as they turn them into these things it's worth noting that the police have uh, there's a much different connotation when it comes to police in japan than there is in america like i mean at least it's not like the way that we think about cops is probably not like the way japan the way that cops normal like your average japanese person would think about cops japanese people think about cops the way white upper class people think about cops that's fair but um, no matter what culture you're in, cops are a symbol of kind of the uh, the social status quo and the uh, the law. You know, it's kind of yeah. like no matter what your attitude toward the law is, they that's like the immediate signifier. So there's some level of if I had to go just by what we see in episode two, I would have guessed that they were being set up as kind of like the removers of things that can't exist in society harmoniously they're getting rid of the people who can't express their desires in society can can i say one vague detail from episode three yes if you trust me that it is not like a major episode we consent if if it's too much of a major one then i'll spoil something small from your akuma so be warned Oh, God. Okay, there's a scene... Because, okay, I think what we're going to have to prepare for is that Rayo and Mabu are going to do that song and dance in most episodes because they do, in fact, do it again in episode three. Oh, thank Um, God. Afterwards, there is an... Like, there's sort of an extension of that sequence where it's them talking, and I won't give away any of, like, the details of what's going on around them but i will say that when they're talking they reference an empire there is no further information given about this interesting but i i thought that that at least that kernel of information would be important for this conversation that's actually wait 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 really good note wait wait would it be the ottoman empire no bat why did you let her do this the ottoman she's your girlfriend the ottoman empire i can't stop her she cuddles me at night oh jeez. but um okay jokes about ottoman empire aside i really like them like they're interesting and also like they're very i love them they're very hard and and also we all realized that they were doing an uthana pose right oh that that was absolutely the that was on purpose the sword from the chest like yeah no contest they uh geo and yasha like to refer to them as uh toga and seonji for obvious reasons god kind of well i'm glad to see that those two were reincarnated now we have like all three uh series oh oh that's what that's what this is this isn't about connecting with other people and sharing your secret desires the show is actually about connecting all the three ikuhara shows from before so so this is the, this is the ikuhara extended what, universe seriously that's what uh that's what geo has hypothesized about all of this is that there is an ikuhara extended universe 
I love that we live in the world where Ikihara got money to make an AU of his show from the 90s. <laughs> this is the only good thing about our current timeline. The only good thing. I have a question. Ask your question. Alice and I have technically, we've talked about this in private, so I hope I'm not putting you guys too much on the spot about this. But how do we feel about the Kazuki cross-dressing subplot? Um, okay, we have a very complicated take between the two of us. Are you ready for this? Especially because uh, I don't think Alice and I have talked about it since episode two came out. Yeah, and for and for reference for, for our listeners real quick, um, after episode one, me and Panna had a discussion about... We had a concern. You were kind of concerned about, like, the cross-testing element and wondering where that was going to go. And at mm-hmm. the time, what I told you was that having experienced a lot of manga that is explicitly about that, this has mm-hmm. already avoided quite a few of the tropes that I see a lot in that. Which I which I did recognize and you know yeah but so I'm kind of I'm not it doesn't give me bad vibes I'm not sure if it's going to be good but it has the potential to be good I think it's already good yeah I think that like I would I definitely when we talked about it after episode one I was more I was I was not like we should probably like actually say for the listeners like what we were all concerned about oh yeah because we're kind of leaving that to subtext right now sure do you guys want to take that I'll let Alice take it because she is the uh the gender flip or the gender bender manga queen so I was kind of concerned that there was this sort of the general concern was that they were going to do something that would be kind of, how do I put this nicely? Mildly transphobic. Mildly transphobic. Um, there is a, there are entire genres of manga and anime which focus around AMAP characters cross-dressing. And what that means varies wildly. And some of those works are actually not bad. Some of them are pretty good, actually. Some of them are pretty good, actually. Some of them are interesting. Um, Reversible School Life is really interesting. We might actually talk about it when we finally get our podcast out. I know. But, um... Lily Academy. Lily Academy. Oh, I do have some some news about that one, actually. In a bit. But, um, some of them are really terrible and i can imagine yeah really bad and so there's there's some evidence there's some reason to be concerned and what's interested me at the time was that at least in the first two episodes we don't have any of the tropes that i usually associate with those two genre with those genres they're just not there yeah the genre we're kind of talking about um people in the west tend to call it gender bender I think in Japan they call it Joso, and it has a lot of stuff under the umbrella. It can be anything from AMAB characters uh, cross-dressing to AMAB characters physically um, switching their uh, their sex. So it's it's a broad range, and the way that they write 
uh, characters in that role and how they understand and the understanding of gender that the manga promote can vary wildly. So I think it's interesting in Sarazanmai that among other things, uh, Kazuki he's cross-dressing to specifically get closer to Haruka, mm-hmm. but he's also super super chill about it. It's utilitarian for him, but other than being embarrassed. He seems to not be kind of, like, weirded out by people seeing that him that way in public, and he clearly has gone to great lengths to be able to pass when he's dressed up as Sada. Yeah, there's there's actually, like, uh, the, several points at which you can tell that he has practiced certain mannerisms and, like, with his voice to be able to pass which is interesting while also like how do i put this it's just sort of a thing he does the fact that he's doing it specifically to pretend to be someone else is the part that seems more embarrassing than the rest of it yeah i actually kind of uh, noticed that as well well he like he calls himself a freak for cross-dressing yeah but the others don't it's like briefly uh what's his name your local drug dealer coon toy um toy like he kind of says that one thing but like he doesn't really like that's kind of it mostly it's just like he just he's like he's a shitty kid who says mean things that he doesn't really eve because he does that in this one too where like he just immediately like he's willing to immediately drop the cat thing because of a stray comment also like there's a lot going on with the scene where he calls himself a freak. One thing that I noticed was that the I don't like how Crunchyroll chose to translate that line because I believe God Gio and Yasha would know this so much better than I would. The word he used is okashi, which is kind of like strange, weird, like don't you think that's strange can liter is literally like okashi ka? Like it's unusual, it's strange, it's abnormal, but it doesn't carry quite the connotation of I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. There were stronger words he could have used for himself if that's what Don't he was trying to say. Don't you see me in this idol dress? I'm a weirdo. Yeah, like Jughead voice. <laughs> yeah, which like that—that's kind of what's going on there. And to be fair, he's also like clearly a very confused teenager who's kind of just figuring shit out about himself and probably was not ready to get outed in front of two people, both of them classmates. And one of them a childhood friend. I have a couple of, like, slightly related things to this. And one is that we have evidence in the show that Kazuki does pass in public when he is dressed as Sarah. Which is why I think he's not particularly bothered about people seeing him in costume. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess co- seeing him in the, the Sarah outfit. And... Two, I will explain that in a minute, don't worry. Um, Two, I don't know if it's fair to say that, like, nobody freaks out about the fact that Kazuki is cross-dressing, because the only two people that we've seen that know, the only three, the only three people that see, that know are Kepi, who is a Kappa and could not give less of a shit. (laughs) Um, Enta, who is very- Enta, who is very clearly in love with Katsuki and would just, like, agree to whatever it is that he said because he is in love with him. 
and Toei, who clearly has some other issues going on and has also, considering he literally waterboarded a man, has probably seen some weirder shit than one of his classmates dressing up as an idol to take pictures. That's actually very fair. I mean, also the emphasis on the fact that he has literally waterboarded a man over weed. But if you would like my evidence that uh, Kazuki uh, passes when he is dressing as Sarah, which I mean... The love ninja. That's what's literally the love ninja place. Well, yeah, okay, we've got the love ninja, but like also the the number one is that in the uh, like the beginning of the first episode when we see Toei breaking into the car, when we see Kazuki dressed as Sarah, we don't see Kazuki dressed as Sarah. We see Sarah there. And the reason we see that is because Ikahara is trying to fake out the audience, obviously, but also because that is Toei's recollection of the incident and what he saw was somebody who looked like Sarah taking a picture next to him. Yup. Out of out of curiosity. Are there two different voice actors for those scenes? Yes. Oh, okay, so I was right. Which I, would I figured that was happening. Probably have to do with the fact that, like we mentioned, Kazuki does like do like does change his voice when he is doing Sarah. Yeah, because there was I definitely noticed that there was a different, entirely different voice between the yes. two versions of that scene. Yeah. You are correct. Which is pretty, that's a pretty clever trick. I will say that um, what makes me kind of say that I kind of like how they've kind of portrayed this, no one's really assigned meaning to it in, in series beyond Kazuki himself, who kind of insists he's doing this for Haruka's sake. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, Toei, who specifically says in episode two, you and I are a lot alike. We would both do anything for our sibling. You know, we would... Or, Literally, I think he, what he says is, like, we would both do uh, whatever it takes to get what we want. Yeah, that is what he says. Yeah. I really kind of like, I'm, I'm going to weeb here for a minute. Ever since I found out what the term Joso means, I've been really kind of excited by it because it kind of describes the connotation that you lose when translating it to just cross-dressing is that going Joso is is not just cross-dressing, it's literally being on thong. It's performing feminine. So you're not just dressing up. It's not just drag, although drag can be Joso. It's mm-hmm. like you're literally performing the social role of being a girl. Yeah, there's a there's a, a sense of it's not just a about clothing. There is also a kind of an expectation of that you act a different way, which can sometimes be a little weird in its depiction depending on who is doing the actual writing of that work. But it's it it, it is a little more nuanced than just cross dressing. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how Sada's design has that weird kind of, like, head covering? Yeah, because she's a kappa. We we were going to talk about this, and I started talking about the manga, so we can circle back. So is she a um, kappa? Also, I think I don't know. Evil. Actually, I don't really know what her deal is, but, like, they are very clearly invoking kappa imagery with her because she has a little kappa thing that has her hair with her and also she has the little thing on her head and she says dish also i also i think that um i think that she's evil you think that she's evil that makes me sad but it could be true i think that she is evil because i think that she is the anti-kappa prince wow (laughs) okay i 
I, I'm kind of hoping she isn't evil because that would mean the one uh, AFAB character who's kind of a central character to the main cast is pure evil in an Ikuhara show. It would be Although it would a, be a first flop for him. of his normal dynamic, which would kind of go with all of this. Wait, um, but no, it's perfect because then it would be like Ikuhara himself has had a character arc. <laughs> no. No, um, go, I have go, a question. Go, to the, go to the box of shame. Ladies. Yeah. Um Okay, so I made Karen watch some of this. Friend friend of the show, Karen. Um and she said that this was more suggestive than Yuri Kuma. How would you guys take no. that statement? I can understand no. why she would say it specifically because Yuri Kuma definitely does not have Big a kappa child <laughs> being rocket propelled into the ass of a monster. That's definitely Juicy, not a thing that happens to Yuri Kuma. As a, there's there's technically more going on there, and I guess the the two cops kind of have some some touching and stuff. But like honestly, Yuri Kuma is way. I think way she more... was spe- referring specifically more to all of the like kappa battle stuff. I don't know that yeah. she was uh, honestly referring I think Yuri to Kuma like the more, cop is, stuff. Yeah, I think Yuri Kuma is more explicit, mostly because. There were a lot of reasons, but, like, Yurikuma leans way heavier into it being sexy. Yurikuma also has a lot more people who get- who lick people. Well, so yeah, I was about to say, l- let's we forget- Yurikuma's I, I, I know there's a lot of licking in Yurikuma. <laughs> That's- of all the things that I know about Yurikuma, <laughs> that Yurikuma's is one of them. Trans- equivalent of the transformation sequence from this show <laughs> literally involves a lily growing out of someone's heart. And two other girls licking the honey off oh of its petals. Yeah, yeah. I have actually seen the. I've actually seen that. Countdown. The actual, actually, the only piece of animation from Yuri Kuma that I've seen is that gif. That, which, like, also the entire opening is one hundred percent nothing but yonic imagery for a minute and thirty seconds. Um, I I think Sarazanmai is a lot less. So what what's going on with Sarazanmai is that like the if you kind of think of like penetration as the most ob- obvious sexual act, there's a lot more specific imagery suggesting that. But again, like butt penetration in Japan is a lot m- milder in its sexual connotations than it is mm-hmm. in the West, specifically I'll, with dudes. I will so... I will give Karen this. I will give her this. The whole sexualized imagery in Yurikuma is like kind of it. It's it is just all the time, but it's also with like often with multiple layers of metaphor of obvious metaphor, as if it's almost afraid to be too on the nose, but it can't help itself. Whereas in whereas in Sarazanma, it's just no. I'm just gonna do it. You want we. What happened there? I literally sucked your desire out of your ass. Yeah, it's 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 just really direct. So I'll give her that. Um, do you guys think that the? Because I mean, that's not the uh, that's not the first time I've heard sentiment similar to that. Uh, before this was coming out, uh, Japanese audiences actually got to see the first three episodes before it 
premiered like internationally or even like on television i think there were like t- there were like movie screenings or something i don't really know a lot of information but i do know that there were people who saw the first three episodes before everyone else and some of the reports that we were getting were that this makes Yuri Kuma look subtle. And we've talked on Kappa Connection about how there's the possibility that some of people's perceptions of how explicit Sarazen might actually is, is colored by the fact that we are so... Society has so normalized sexualization of women and women's bodies and, like, sex stuff involving women. So when we see the reverse and we see something like Sarah Zenmai that is entirely about, like, men having butt stuff done to them, it feels more, it feels more graphic because we're not used to see it. Actually, yeah, I think, I think there's something to Yeah, that. there is. There's definitely something to Geo put that theory forward and I was like, you might be onto something. Yeah, like, it is, a, a lot of different cultures have this same response where gender non-conforming, like, especially, mostly like, I'm thinking America and in places that have in oh, europe yeah. where like as well as places that they've sort of like had a lot of influence on where men being gender non-conforming is more is something that is less acceptable in the short run than women who are a little non-conforming gender wise mostly because like we've just kind of like how about this like it, it's it's kind of the way like you know like the apocryphal story about the queen refusing to um criminalize female home like female homosexual behavior because <laughs> this is not the first real. time this story has come up on this podcast yeah like and she didn't think it was real it's kind of like that we're like well no they you just so romantic friendship that's totally a thing and it's just sort of like this weird, almost a neutering of it by we just by not taking it seriously. It's a very different approach. It's also not one that's always like it's very much a kind of only for the surface level as long as you're quiet. Yeah, I think there's a level there of what your culture values in terms of like patriarchal cultures tend to see like, oh, well, it's obvious why a woman would want to step out of her lane and act a little bit more like a man. That is very obvious, because being a man is a good thing. But yeah. when someone who's AMAB or who's a man steps into doing something more feminine, that actually ha- is going to result in more of a pushback in some ways, because it almost undermines, in some ways it undermines the system even more, because here is someone who supposedly has masculinity and is choosing to not only like forego it to some level but to um do something that runs counter to it and if men or people who are amab are allowed to make those kinds of decisions and they can a lot of them consistently choose not to buy into kind of like society's premium value on masculinity it kind of breaks the whole uh, system down to some extent the way that people will talk about it is as if they as if you one is trading down yeah it's like yeah. why would you do that yikes and your trading down is not just affecting you because that's not the problem people perceive it as making their own masculinity or femininity less valuable on some level 
which is, I think, like, part of why TERFs have such a massive pushback to trans women, but that's another story. Oh, yeah, buddy. Isn't it? <laughs> I, I could I could do a whole podcast on that. In fact, coming soon, Lily no. Academy. No. <laughs> um, this is not a real podcast. Please do not make me do this. Lily Academy but yeah, fuck TERFs. Long story short, like, I, we both kind of agree, like, there's something to that. And and also to be fair, like it is it is it is less wrapped in symbolism and metaphor. It is just straight up small cap a child rockets themselves into the ass of a monster. There's it's just not subtle. Sometimes a cucumber is just a penis. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a year supply of sea cucumbers, please. Okay, that was pretty funny. Like I I we did laugh pretty hard about the, the cucumber roll. Whomp. You guys may not know. Okay, apparently there's also a novel or something. I don't really understand. What the fuck? But the fuck? I heard some information secondhand, so I'm giving it to you guys. This will be now, I guess, third hand. I guess that's how that works. Not even um, apparently cucumber rolls are Kazuki's favorite food, and that's why Into wished for cucumber rolls is because he's fucking gay oh if he would just stop trying to kiss people who were asleep i'd like him i mean listen who among us did not make a stupid decision when we were a 14 year old um excuse you i was perfect i was born perfect and immaculate alice was born without sin like the holy christ child and that is why she has come down to save us i've literally never made a mistake Quote me on it. Take it to the bank. Alice has never betrayed anyone in her entire life. Call me Char Azimble. <laughs> Alice tries to betray me like at least once an episode. I've never betrayed you in my life. I've sure talked about it a lot. Constantly. Literally every time that you go to the bathroom during podcasting. Okay. Now that Panda is gone, I start screaming and then you immediately get back. It's so goddamn annoying. I'm so close to taking over. All right, so we're getting close to an hour here, and we could probably wrap up unless you guys had anything else you wanted to bring up. Uh, not really. I think the only other thing I wanted to do was, like, squee for five minutes about how well they kind of, like, made the, uh, the kind of Sentai, uh, not Sentai, but common Rider, like, references work with the Kappas, because, like, I'm not visual designer i'm not even remotely an animation person but there's something really clever about how well they make the really 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 simple kind of like dorky looking kappa designs look heroic with just some accessories and some posing they love i love them they're adorable they are but like you can convey like cuteness and weirdness and dorkiness with those designs really easily I like that they managed to find a way to make them look like superheroes to an extent. Really, really old. I'm talking 1970s Common Rider. And a few of them in the years since, I could give you a whole rundown. I have such sights to show you. Had a, um, like a scarf around his neck. Scarves, especially long flowing scarves, but just neck scarves in general, are considered kind of like, they have the same kind of signifier energy in Japan that a chess symbol does in the U.S. Yes. Like that, po- like that Pokemon. Like the frog Pokemon with like the frog oh, yes. Pokemon with the like, scarf. Yeah, Greninja has its tongue wrapped around its neck like a scarf because that makes it look more heroic. That's why that is design that, is that way. Is that why Jonathan Joestar has a scarf? That yes. is ac- 
it, Jonathan Joestar has a scarf for a lot of reasons. Some of them being is that, it because he's um, a Hiro perfect Hikaraki good boy who could do like, no wrong? Uh, Hiro Hikaraki is like super obsessed with men's fashion, and that is actually a pretty chic scarf he's wearing. But yeah, it scarf around the neck is kind of like code for this is the hero. By the way, I'm intensely amused by the fact that Kazu like just has just figured out. Not only has he figured out how to pass, but also I'm just really amused by the detail that he just has had his somehow managed to to secret his phone into his bosom, and it just like pulls it out like yeah I've had the whole time. It's such a good don't joke. ask me how I got into this ninja costume I don't know um probably <laughs> it just happened. Oh, we didn't even talk about how great the fake date was. I know. That How was... much did you guys love the fake date? Because it was so I was good. I loved... That was the best sequence of the entire show. It single-handedly yeah. made me single-handedly made me like Tui. Tui. Toei. Toei. Whatever is fuck. It made me like. He has a hard to say name because every time I say his name, it makes me think of the animation stories. He's just like so so goddamn mad with his little his little roar sword, <laughs> and then like and Kazuki's just like ah. <laughs> He's just like completely doing this shit eating grin thing. That was the moment where I realized Kazuki was going to, to be my favorite hands. I love that they have to hold hands and they get kicked out. And then on top so of that, funny. Kappa Prince and Inta show up and they're like holding hands. <laughs> and then the wind blows away his kimono. So the first time in episode two, did one of the themes is Enta and Toei actually both deepen their connection on some level with Kazuki, specifically. Not with each other, but with him. Mm -hmm. uh, Toei more so, but did you both notice the key detail that the most intimate moments they have with him are when he's uh, dressed as Sara? In the first episode? No, in this episode. In, this episode? in, in episode two. Um, Toei's most intimate moment with Kazuki is uh, when they're at the date together, and he, that's the first time he expresses solidarity uh, with him. That's the yeah, first when time he in, admits. Yeah, when they're on the ride. Yeah, that's like the first time that he admits we actually aren't that different, and the, especially for like a guy who's obviously trying to perform a certain kind of gruff, kind of silent machismo. Mm -hmm. He actually is very about as vulnerable as we've ever seen him in that moment because he deliberately um without prompting backs down on trying to murder this cat <laughs> now he still needs he, he like he wants to get something out of it but he goes from i'm going to murder this cat and then also maybe you to i will give up chasing this cat completely and all the weed it ate if you just like give me this thing which even then even with the give up the thing it's very clear that he's kind of he, he he's kind of trying to save face. He doesn't want in that moment he doesn't really want to um back down, but he also has you can kind of tell at that moment this cat's not going to get stabbed by a ruler. Like he he he's not going to go through it with it. <laughs> like so that's the intimate moment that happens there and again that happens when Kazuki is dressed as Sara. And then of course Enta when he kisses Kazuki, it's also while he's dressed as Sara. That didn't have to be that way. Both of those scenes could have happened without the added detail of Kazuki being dressed as Sara. Yeah. 
That's a, I mean, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're right. I hadn't really noticed it either, but that's a really good point. Yeah, I've actually kind of wondered about this, and my tentative theory is that it's there's a lot of things going on there, or that could be going on there, but one of them is Sada, in, on some level, at least for Kazuki, represents the ability to connect with people, because that's how he connects and fosters his friendship with his little brother. So when he's dressed as Sada it's actually easier for him to form these connections with the other cast members. And to a certain extent, it's easier for them to form connections with him in turn. Uh, they're more able to express their feelings to him than if he were uh, dressed as a dude. He's also like, Kazu's also a little more open in, in the way, in just in general, when he is dressed as Sara. Because like, when he's just in normal street clothes, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> Like, not yeah. in, like, an obvious way, but sort of in, like, a gruff, like, I don't really have any interest in talking with you kind of way. Like, oh my god, he's a tsundere. And the the Sarah part is the Darren part. Okay, so what's actually probably going on there, it's about performative masculinity. Yeah. That's specifically what's going on there. When he saw that, he is not performing masculinity, and it's a lot easier for other people to shed their performances as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a good place to to end. I think that that was a beautiful statement. What I'm saying is that everyone should perform cross dressing. Yeah. yeah. Wear whatever clothes you want. Who cares? No, specifically dress as Japanese idols. <laughs> okay, that works for me too. Specifically. They just have to start making idol clothes in my size. And we can get same. going. I am uh I, I dress, like, exclusively in cardigans. This would not be a good look for me. <laughs> I am wearing, like, I have worn long sleeves for the past four days, even though it's gotten Mississippi hot very slowly. All right, are you gonna close this out? Yeah, I guess it does us for this week. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenacast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. If you'd like to check out other things I do in the world of podcasting, you can check out The Fresh Podcast Market, a real podcast about fake podcasts, or Palala Magi Modica Magicast, a podcast about Modica Magica that I edit. Alice, where can people find you online? They can find me at um, Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F, and that's on Twitter. Um, you will eventually be able to find us at LilyCast. However, I do have a sad announcement that will not be that bad. And namely, it is um, my computer was recently stolen. And along with that computer went all of the recording for LilyCast that we had done. Press F. So oh, no. it will take us a little longer, but we are still going to be recording and releasing that. Oh, does this also mean that y'all's conversation about Goblin Slayer is gone? No, I don't think so. That, that's been put out on the internet in a place that people can find it, technically. Oh, well, we, someone didn't tell me, even oh, though I she forgot. knew I'm I wanted sorry. to hear it. Okay, actually... We'll do that later. There was a massive or unless audio you guys glitch. want to plug it now. Yeah, there was a massive audio glitch in that one, which is why we're not plugging it to listeners. Um, okay. TLDR, my audio leads about 30 seconds ahead when it should, so it sounds like I'm jumping... I'm interrupting Alice at several points when I had actually waited for her to finish speaking, and I also occasionally answer questions that she has he hasn't asked yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, audio editing's like a, profit, a bitch. But the conversation itself was pretty fun, so 
we'll, we'll try to find a way to, do that, to redo it. But yeah, we just wanted to sort of say that we are still doing it. Just with that we are still doing it, and also that um, it will take us a little longer. And that's it for anything I want to plug. Uh, and that's also why there will be a further delay on the Patreon fix. I posted an update and explained the situation to everybody, but just uh, in case you were a patron and are no longer a patron, uh, and you need you wanted info on that for whatever reason, yeah, you know, look, sorry, life sucks sometimes. Please press F to pay respects. Press F to pay respects. And also, press donate Kofi to Alice's to Kofi. Because to say. She, she just bought a, a computer, and that costs a lot of money. Yeah. Alright, revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Fuck those guys who stole the computer. Yeah. Yeah.